Good morning. It's Sunday, May 27th, and you are listening to the In the Wheelhouse. ITW is a weekly podcast on the Chicago Cubs and other ancillary topics. I'm Tom Hockney. And I'm Leo Fontana. It's Memorial Day weekend, and as we honor America's servicemen and women, we'll be adding, two, we'll be adding our two cents to the national discussion on the national anthem. We'll talk about current events in Major League Baseball, and as always, we'll look back on how the Cubs did this week. So it's Memorial Day weekend. Tom, what are you going to be doing? How are you going to honor our servicemen and women? I will probably honor them by having, a, uh, like everybody else, having a barbecue. We'll be on our boat. We're in Michigan this weekend. Um, so, uh, you know, we're, we're, there's, some, there's some interesting things happening in this small town. Um, and one of those is a classic car parade that occurs oh. every year on Memorial Day weekend uh, at noon in town. And so that's always interesting in Michigan because there's they've got some great great cars in this state. No, that's um, nice. That'll be a lot of yep. fun. Yeah. No, no, How about gonna, yourself? Well, again, you know, I've got the in-laws coming over. We're going to barbecue, but uh, my my kids and I am going to take them to the Memorial Day parade here in Glenview, and we're going to watch that happen. And uh, you know, basically, my wife has a lot of papers to grade. So until we start barbecuing, I'm just going to take the kids to the pool. I'm going to take them to the animal shelter. I'm just going to get them out of the house and, uh, you know, well, enjoy nice. the good weather. Yeah. This is, a, this is a big weekend, obviously, for, uh, you know, honoring our servicemen. I understand that tomorrow uh, President Trump is going to uh, lay a wreath at the tomb of the unknown bone spurs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, you know, this... You know, as we are in the wheelhouse, this is sort of where Trump feels he's in his wheelhouse. Yeah. Doing the things that he feels, you know, but anyway, you know, I, I don't want to comment on that. I don't want to alienate anybody. Uh, but uh, I, I will say that it is kind of it, it, it's kind of a contradiction, you know. Now, uh, I'll be bartending at Ravinia this summer. So if you get up there and uh, go up to the <laughs> treetop lounge and come and say hello. Uh, I will do that. Uh, I, I, we've got tickets, I know, to the Captain and Tennille show, so <laughs> I, I'm sure. <laughs> hey, man, that's a rowdy crowd, man, so be careful. That is uh, good. So, all right, well, <laughs> let's uh, get into what it is we talk about and why we're here. And Now, this is an NFL issue, but it bleeds into baseball slightly. Now, the NFL just uh, – the owners met, and without really conferring with the players – they produced a measure that says that players must stand for the national anthem unless, and if they don't want to, or if they want to, I don't know, if they don't feel they want to stand, they can stay in the locker room and uh, they don't have to come out. And then that way the public, I guess, is spared the visual image of uh, them kneeling in protest of police brutality. Um, I wanted to talk about how this, how baseball is affected by this, but uh, but I also have to say that I really think the NFL got it wrong here, you know. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think this is a this is a travesty. It's it's ridiculous and kind of like your comments about Trump. I it, it without you know getting too political. I just think this is kind of a another um, racist thing by a, you know the 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 NFL. I, what I what I'm encouraged by is that I think some owners are breaking breaking ranks. I know Johnson of the Jets yeah. has said he, he would pay all fines. Um, but um, I think people just have, you know, uh, all across Facebook, you see these united, we stand ridiculous statements. This is not a pro this protest is not 
against the United States or the flag. Right. People have this completely wrong. What this is, is racial injustice. This was started by Colin Kaepernick, who, by the way, has been blackballed by the NFL. Yes, and he has a case um, as and, far as proving collusion. And so it just the whole thing is ridiculous to me. It's just a waste of time. And um, I just, you know, I have very strong feelings that this is just another racist thing that occurs in a country that has produced two really great things over the last 300 years, racism and violence. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyways, let's. Well, I do want to say that if you want to know more about this issue, Cheryl Ring had a great article about this on fan graphs. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. The, the NFL really can't, you know, they have a right, I think, to expect their players to stand for the national anthem. And the players don't really have the right necessarily to protest while they're on the job or in the workplace, but at the same time, the, the owners don't have the right to curtail their right to free speech, especially when these protests are taking place within a publicly funded facility, you know, or a facility that was yeah. built with, with taxpayer money. So there'll be right. some interesting legal challenges. I don't think that it's smart to just cry racism and go running out in the streets with protests. I do think the best way to attack this is by, you know, with a lawsuit and challenging this in court. But uh, let's let's move on. You know, this um, it, it, we could go on about this all day. And I want to talk about baseball. And I want to say three names to you, Tom. I'm going to say Joe yeah. DiMaggio, Mickey Mantle and Glaber Torres. What do those three guys have in common? Uh, I don't know. You tell me. I know that uh, the first two are Hall of Fame Yankee players. Uh, Torres is also a Yankee player. Whenever I hear that name, I, I kind of cry a little bit because <laughs> he should have been a Chicago Cub. Uh, but you tell well, me, the, what do they have in common? Those are the three youngest players in Yankee history to have hit two home runs in a single game. That's pretty good company for the young, uh, for the young former Cubs farmhand. Well, he's he's also hit in four homered in four straight. Yes, games, he has. Yes, he speak. has. Yes. So, Torres is off to a torrid start, and uh, again, whenever I hear his name, it makes me uh, cry a little bit. Yeah, me too. But it did help us get a World Series, so I can't I can't be too upset. But gee, it would be nice right. to have him here. And no and, doubt. But although I think if he had stayed, it would have been pretty hard to get him into the lineup with Russell and uh, Baez. I think he probably only would have gotten in maybe now, you know, now that Russell is sort of struggling, but even then it would be hard because those guys were pretty well established, but uh, but the Yankees and the Red Sox are going to be a wonderful race to follow all year. And to think that one of those teams will be playing in the wildcard game is, uh, is pretty amazing. Well, you know, one last thing about the Yankees, um, Judge yesterday homered for, the I think, the 14th time this season. But also, he's the fastest man in Major League history to 70 home runs. Wow. Wow. That's, that's, that's also impressive. They're going to hit a lot of home runs, and they'll probably break the single-season record set by the Mariners. But, uh, you know, we'll see, barring any sort of anything unforeseen. But now – now, I sent you an article. I sent you a link to an article. Did you, did you do your homework and read the article, Tom? I did. Well, I kind of glanced okay. at it. I was kind of busy this morning. But I, 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 I don't really need to read about Mike Trout because <laughs> I, I know, I know uh, a lot uh, about Mike Trout and about the fact that he is on a obviously a Hall of Fame arc, which is what the article says. Basically, the article puts forth that at age 27, Trout is right where he needs to be 
um, uh, in line with other average Hall of Famers at age 27. But I'll make you the case that I think he's actually ahead of of some of those Hall of Famers. And the reason is, is because he's been relatively injury free. Except for, for last season, a period yeah. of games yeah. last season, yeah. he, he, you know, he hasn't. To me, the player he reminds me the most of is and always has is Mickey Mantle, and Mantle at this point had already had a major knee. Injury. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, um, I, I, I think Trout, uh, the sky's the limit for him. I think the question for Mike Trout is, does he remain an Angel for the rest of his career? I think that's the big question. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he likes playing there. Uh, I think that it's good that they're competitive. Uh, you know, they're they're kind of falling off the pace against the Astros, the Mariners have moved ahead of him, but you know, they have an interesting team and hopefully he'll stick around, especially now that they have Otani, but uh, it'll take a King's ransom to uh, keep him there. I will, I will say that. All right. So on to the Chicago White Sox. Uh, They're in the news and not for necessarily good reasons as Wellington Castillo has joined Robinson Cano as the second player who's been suspended for performance enhancing drugs and we'll see you, Wellington, in about 80 games. This is a guy I've always liked. He's a former Cub. He can play the catcher position. He hits for a little power, and he knows how to play defense. This is a tough blow for the White Sox who are trying to develop a young pitching staff. You know, it, it, um, I've been saying this for a few years now, and Robinson Cano notwithstanding, it seems like the players, and I believe Castillo would be the, is the 17th player, um, since um, they started busting players for steroids to get the, this, this kind of suspension. Um, that it, it's, my theory is that the fringe minor leaguer players are the ones that put a lot of uh, uh, energy in, in doing steroids. And, and, and the reason is, is because they have to to make the major yeah. leagues. And, and when you look at a player like Castillo, I could see where if, if maybe if he's been doing this for a long period of time um, – of where he might be if he hadn't, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think that it's possible that moving forward, you're only going to hear about fringe players. Um, and I think Castillo, unfortunately, I know you're a big Sox fan, but to me, he's a fringe catcher. There's a reason why he's not uh, still at the white uh, or on the Cubs. Well, he got, I mean, he got a lot of money from the white Sox to come in there and kind of solve that position for a couple of years. And, really work with their young pitchers. We always knew he could play the position. You know, the, the, the issues were always, can he hit enough? And over the last couple of years, probably, you know, and, and again, you have to question, is it due to, to PEDs? Uh, he's hit yeah, for some power. Right. He was, I think, second highest in the majors behind Contreras in terms of uh, catchers with home runs. So I don't know. It's, it's not good. So uh, right. did you catch this video of uh, Carlos Rodon? taking a line drive off of his skull. Did you see this? I know. I, I didn't, but I read about it the next day. And obviously, the, I think baseball at some point is going to have to move to some type of helmet type of device for, for pitchers. Well, Sadly, because I think it, it, it affects a lot of things, including the pitching itself. But this just happens too much. And I think that the hitters are so strong. And, you know, it just makes me think of Ray Chapman back in 22 when he lost his life. Well, he was, I'll tell you, Rodon was, he was, he was on the hitting side, but I think it, it, it just, you know, from a pitch, it's gotta be just absolutely horrific for pitchers watching some of those balls coming back at them at, you know, at at the same, right. The same speed that they threw it at, or in many instances more. 
Well, so. you know, Rodon was really lucky because the ball went right off his skull. It went sky high in the air down the left field line. Third baseman with his with his back to the pitcher's mound made a running catch, kind of a la Willie Mays, to record the out. Which was uh, it was so that made it kind of an unusual play. And that's why I wanted to bring it up. But uh, well, it's that's a that's a painful assist. Yes, it is a very painful assist. He was really lucky. It didn't. I mean, it, I, I guess I, I don't know if it grazed him. But it didn't hit him like it could have, and uh, he certainly. Right. It looks like he's going to be okay. All right, so uh, Hanley. Uh, you know, one one last thing about the White Sox. Um, if you remember, Danny Farquhar um, had that um, uh, brain hemorrhage yes. um, a, 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 just a little while ago. So, really good news to report that next Friday night um, at uh, Guaranteed Third Rate Field uh, against the Brewers. <laughs> Uh, he's going to throw out the very first pitch. No, that is good. And that is actually some nice news for the White Um I, I don't see that this guy will ever get to pitch again in the majors. I do think I do think he'll be a big part of their organization. Uh, if you know anything about Farquhar, he's very into to analytics as yes, they pertain yes. to pitching. So he's always sharing this stuff with other players and talking to them about you know, how you can use advanced analytics to kind of improve their own game. So I think that there's a place for him going forward with the White Sox organization. And they've always been really good about taking care of guys like that. So I think that that's one thing you can really, uh, that, that he can certainly look forward to, you know, to at least a career in the game. So uh, let's, uh, but let's move on and let's talk about the other Sox, the Red Sox. They DFA'd, designated for assignment, Mr. Hanley Ramirez. And yeah. uh, I thought this was uh, pretty unusual. But at the same time, if you look at what he's done this year, you, it's, you know, it's expected. I, I suppose, Leo, but when you really break down his stats for just this year alone, he is batting two fifty four with six home runs. There's probably half the major leagues that are, that are doing at, at that number or, or around that number if you look at what the average is. I mean, six home runs is nothing to scratch at. You've got guys that have one and two home runs. So uh, there, there's, there's other issues involved here. There's money issues. Yeah. They owe him a lot of money, yeah. and that's one of the reasons. But also, the, the Sox are a juggernaut right now, that, that, and, and they can afford to do it. And I suspect that really the issues related to some of his defensive play, which has been not so good this year, quite frankly. Yeah, he cannot uh, catch the ball. He uh, cannot catch the ball. I mean, what, what, he, he begins his career as a shortstop, and then, and then he gets moved to first, and he can't field the position at all. I mean, it's really bad. Yeah, right. You know, he and, can't play the outfield. He can't play the infield. It's it's correct. It's a problem. Correct, and 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 he's not batting well enough to be the DH. But you know, he he finishes his career. You know, at one point he was on a Hall of Fame arc, quite frankly. But he's not for the, uh, for a sure. Yeah, for a short time. But he won't and, make uh, the Hall of Fame. No, no, he won't have to worry about uh, that. Certainly. So, but, uh, you know, so that, that, that's it for him. I yeah. feel bad, but. So I wanted to bring up this crazy play that happened Thursday night, um, uh, Kansas City-Texas um, uh, game where Danny Duffy was pitching to uh, Chu, the outfielder um, for the Texas Rangers, who, by the way, last night hit his 179th home run, the most for an Asian-born uh, player uh, wow. of all time. Uh, Sinsu Chu. Yeah, oh. Yep, Sinsu Chu. And so there was a throw from Duffy with Delano DeShields on first base attempting to steal. Um, Duffy threw the ball. DeShields headed for second. The ball hit 
Salvador Perez's glove, bounced off his glove and hit Chu right in the nose, bouncing, <laughs> bouncing back into Perez's glove, who then threw out the shields at second base. Wow. <laughs> and so that's one, two, Chu, two, six. Off of Chu. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your, for those keeping score. <laughs> that's great. That is great. I'll look for that on YouTube. All right. Now, now you, you had this thing about uh, Dustin Pedroia yeah. making his debut. Yeah. It, what, interesting. Uh, <clears throat> you know, the, the Sox are going for a World Series this year, and they've done it all without Dustin Pedroia, who has, you know, really not contributed, contributed over the last few years um, for the Red Sox, certainly not as they thought he was going to. He's been injured. And so it's going to be interesting to see how he not only, you know, comes back and is able to start producing, but how he fits in to this juggernaut team. I mean, because quite frankly, the, the Red Sox for the first 32, 33 games were as good as any team that's ever started a season. Um, and then they kind of, yeah. hit, they hit a little bit of a, a soft spot, but they're back at it again. So they're, um, you know, they've been playing very, very well. So it'll be just interesting to see how Pedroia, who, um, you know, he's one of those old school players, you know, if you know anything about this guy, some people either love him or they yeah. hate him, but he's, uh, and I know that you're a big Red Sox fan, um, but, I, <laughs> but, but, but Pedroia um, has, what, early in his career was a big contributor. So it'll be interesting to see if, if he's able to kind of recapture that magic. Well, I, I, I don't like the Red Sox, but I actually do like Pedroia. You know, and uh, I liked him in that, uh, if you remember that business last year where uh, I think that uh, Yankees player kind of took him out and then it started a beanball war. And uh, I liked what he was about during that whole thing about saying, hey, if I was trying to hurt you, I would have hurt you. Right, right. But, you know, but uh, but I, I like his gritty sort of I'll get dirty kind of, you know, playing in the infield sort of attitude. Yeah, so me, me too. Me too. That'll be good. Yeah, but I hope they finish behind the Yankees. All right, so let's let's go to the Cubs, and uh, they're going to try to bounce back against the Giants uh, after two awful games against the Indians. The weather seems to have turned. They lost yesterday. I was really bummed out about that. It was a tough, tough loss to the Giants. But you know, those two losses to the Indians were particularly foul. They lose ten to one, and then they lose one to nothing, right. wasting a brilliant um, John Lester start. You know, this is, uh, it's, it's frustrating. They are, again, they have the second best ERA in all of baseball, as we speak right now. They are fourth or fifth in most all of the hitting categories, with the exception of, like, home runs. Um, but they lead the majors in triples, um, largely in part to uh, our man Baez. Um, and so I'm not overly concerned. The only thing I'm concerned about is that when you look at year over year, last year were a couple um, uh, worse, or I'm sorry, better than the Cubs are this year. And I'm just, I, I'm concerned about uh, you Darvish and his, uh, you know, his contribution, because again, we, if, if you take into consideration that we're trying to replace Jake Arietta's um, uh, numbers, you know, it's important that Darvish holds up his part of the bargain, but uh, right. I know that he's, he's been off to kind of a rough, a rough start. But going back to that, to that Cleveland series, I, you know, I thought it was rather interesting that this rematch of the 2016 World Series, um, 
I I kind of felt I'm just going to be honest that it meant a lot more to the Indians than it did to the Cubs. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, you could probably say that. I mean, they're fighting to stay in first place, and you know they've been struggling on offense, and they came out with a big uh, big offensive day, I think, on Tuesday, and uh, and then they you know and then they shit. Well, this other this guy Plutko, that's what really kind of I couldn't figure out why couldn't the Cubs hit this guy on Wednesday. How do they allow that guy to shut him out? I, I don't understand. He, it's not. It's not like we're talking about Corey Kluber, you know. But I, uh, I'm not mistaken. Wasn't wasn't that like a no hitter? Um, yeah, it was like a no hitter through uh, through six innings. They finally got a hit in the seventh. They had a great chance to score runs, and then they had a, a squeeze play going with the with uh, I, I guess with Baez at the plate and uh, runners at first and third. And Rizzo gets thrown out at home because, uh, you know, it was against Andrew Miller. And uh, and they felt like, I think Madden felt like, you know, Baez is a big strikeout candidate in this situation. So they went with the bunt and it didn't work out. And that would have tied the game. But, you know, you know that's when you, kind of when, been their story this week. It, well, you know? if you look at the Cubs this year, um, unlike the Brewers, who are 16-2 and two against teams that are under 500 and are terrible against teams that are over 500, the Cubs are, are in the top five or six teams in the majors against teams that are over uh, 500. Um, but it seems like they struggle sometimes against teams that are under 500. is that They have an absolutely terrible record in one-run games. It's one of the worst in yeah. the major leagues. So that's a perfect example. Well, I mean, there were some there were some missed opportunities, and then you know there was a home run the Giants hit that just barely landed in the basket. I was really upset about that. A few feet to the left, it would have been in the well, and Schwarber records the out. But one thing that really has encouraged me is how well they've been playing on defense. I mean, in that one yes. nothing loss, there were six or there were uh, several really nice uh, defensive plays. Schwarber made a great throw to, to, to get a runner at second. You know, uh, Contreras made a great throw and Baez a great tag to nail a runner trying to steal second. You know, there was all sorts of really nice plays like that. And that sort of reminds me of 2016 where they were historically one of the best defensive teams that had ever played. So, you know, in, in the Dow of Sparky, Sparky used to say all the time that inside the diamond, there's a diamond inside the diamond. And that diamond is the catcher, the second baseman, the shortstop, and the center fielder. And so if you look at the Cubs from a defensive standpoint, they have a great diamond inside the diamond. A great one. This is not a good one. It's a great one. Um, and and the, one of the reasons is, is because <gasps> Contreras is, is the straw that stirs the drink. You know, he, him and yeah. Baez is almost as a battery, they're, you know, working um, – uh, second base and, and, and home plate, it just, and then having El Mora in, in center field, it's just, we have a really good diamond inside the diamond. Now, last week also was interesting because uh, <clears throat> Manny Machado came to town. He was playing uh, the White Sox with, he was here with the Orioles playing the White Sox. And of course, every reporter had surrounded him to see if what he thought about possibly being traded to the Cubs. And I, you know, again, I mean, we talked about this last week. I, I don't see this happening. I don't see the, the Cubs giving this guy, you know, giving the Orioles two or three prospects right. and then having to pay Manny Machado $40 million a year. I, I just, I don't, it's not, I don't know. It's not Theo Epstein's style. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, Leo, they don't have the prospects to give for Machado. And 
have to give up, you know, a combination of like a Russell Schwarber or something like that to get uh, a Machado, in my opinion. And to me, yeah. it, it's, an, it, it's a nice extravagance. They should just flat out um, be trying to um, pay for um, uh, what's his name the uh, the outfielder for for Washington who's the big oh Harper agent. yeah yeah Harper uh, to save save your money your 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 nickels and dimes for him because if the if, if, either that or go after a frontline pitcher I, if Darvish goes south and and, and uh, let's talk about that now because Darvish is now on the ten day DL with tendonitis that's a really bad. Um, pitching injury that's like a having a pull groin if you're running back in the NFL it basically will uh, hamper you the whole season um, one way or another uh, you, you, you know you'll never be your complete self until uh, till the next year typically with uh, tendonitis there's things that they can do as far as giving you shots and stuff but it's all artificial I have some concerns I hopefully I'm wrong because we paid an awful lot of money for this guy um, yeah. and 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 the fact is if he goes south then I think the Cubs plans may shift from a Machado Harper to a frontline pitcher that's available that it, it, only they, they the may session. have to yeah so yeah. Um, well this, this, I, this I'm, thing worried, I'm worried about you yeah no, I, I, I'm glad you're worried about me, but I'm also worried about you, Darvish. But <laughs> I'm uh, dumb. But, uh, but no, you're right. It really, it, you know, the, the Darvish injury sets him back big time. But uh, what also is interesting, and I'll, I'll pivot, is that the Cubs have made some um, decisions, I think, regarding the outfield, and specifically Jason Hayward. And he's sort of being relegated to spot starting and coming in as a defensive replacement. And now Zobrist, it seems, will see the lion's share of play uh, at that position because, because uh, you know, although he started last night, Hayward started last night and had a hit, you know, he hit the ball hard. I, I just, he, he's not hitting enough to, to demand that he stay in the lineup, you know? Yeah, I think you're you're absolutely 100 spot on that he's going to become like a seventh inning and beyond uh, defensive replacement, and he will be in the game a, a lot in in tight games because he is so so good as a uh, right fielder. A but man, his, yeah. but but his days as a as basically as an everyday player, as a Gold Glover, all that stuff are over because he's not going to have the opportunity to play at least not on this team. I, and the other thing is, I don't see the Cubs getting anything for him in any kind of a trade. They're kind no. of stuck with Hayward. You know, they, they may get a bag of balls and some score sheets or something, but they're not gonna they're not gonna get any 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 player um, that that's gonna help us or or maybe an up and coming relief pitcher or something. But uh, but the the Hayward story, I think you're spot on. The fact is is that he's a he's a, a role player at this point. The uh, the part that I don't necessarily agree with the Cubs is that Zobrist is the answer because of his age. I just think it's well, a Band-Aid solution for 2018. It is. It is a Band-Aid solution for 2018. But he, you know, Zobrist does, you know, provide some interesting sort of advantages in terms of offense, and he's certainly much better than Hayward. Right. All right, so uh, I want to talk about today or this week in baseball history, and I, I, I supplied you with three quotes. Yes. And, uh, and the first one was, how can you find a bat boy? And uh, do you have any idea what, what we can attribute this to? This was pretty obscure. I, so. I purposely did not look these things up because I kind of want to riff off of whatever it is that what this is. So I have no idea. You tell All me. All right. So May 27th, 1984, the president of the Pacific League, the minor league, his name is William Cutler. Um, and what's funny about this is it involves former Cubs manager Lee Elia. 
This was a year after Lee Ely had lost his job after that terrible rant at Wrigley Field where he <laughs> terrible. Tore all the that, that that is comedy <laughs> gold. <laughs> it is comedy gold, but it did cause him to lose his job. And Elia had been kicked out of a of a game as a manager of the the Portland Beavers. And <laughs> yeah, he'd been kicked out of a game and then the bat boy Sam Morris was told to move a folding chair that Elia had thrown on the field. So the umpire tells the bat boy to move it and the bat boy refuses out of loyalty to Elia. So the, so the umpire throws the bat boy out. Now, <laughs> now <laughs> league rules stipulate uh. that anybody who's thrown out of a game in the Pacific league must be fined $25. And nice. the commissioner, William Cutler could not bring himself to find the bat boy $25, which I loved. So the next one was, <laughs> what do you expect when you build a ballpark on the ocean? Right. On May 27th, 1986, the Red Sox are, 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 are credited with a 2 nothing victory in a, in a shortened game due to fog uh, at Cleveland Municipal Stadium. A big fog <laughs> bank rolled in off of Lake Erie. Up the mistake uh, on the lake. The mistake, uh, the mistake on, the lake. on the lake, exactly. And Oil Can Boyd said in the press conference afterwards, what do you expect when you build a ballpark on the, uh, on the ocean? But, of course, nobody told him that uh, Lake Erie is not an ocean. It is uh, the fourth biggest of the five Great Lakes. But I thought that, that was pretty funny. Yeah, you know, I got to tell you, I miss Oil Can Boyd. He, uh, characters like that, you know, baseball and a lot of sports have been trying to take the you know characters out of out of sports like you know for example a perfect example is this ridiculous thing with Zobrist and the black shoes people you know these players should be able to wear whatever they want but oil can boyd was was just a great character for for the boston red sox he really was and and he was built like uh you know like uh martinez the the great pedro martinez but he obviously didn't have his skills but for like a minute there uh, for a minute actually had a he had a decent career the canister. Yeah, baseball does miss him. <laughs> All right, uh, the last one. Uh, gentlemen, for the first 60 feet, that was a hell of a pitch. That's Warren Spahn on May 28th, actually, 1951, where he gives up Willie Mays' first home run. Mays had come up into the majors. He had been 0 for 12 to start his career. And then right. Spahn threw him a pitch, and he just he crushed it for one of the longest home runs ever hit off of Spahn, ever hit in that stadium in Milwaukee right. and, uh, and, uh, and, and Mays would go on to hit 18 home runs off of Warren Spahn, the most he ever hit off of a single, off of a single pitcher. And in the press conference afterwards, uh, the reporter, a reporter asked Spahn about that home run he gave up to Mays. And he was credited with saying, gentlemen, for the first 60 feet, that was a hell of a pitch. So, yeah. You know, and Mays obviously one of baseball's greatest players. So for the for years, he was considered the greatest player in baseball. Um, even though I will make you the case that Babe Ruth was the greatest player, but well, Willie Mays, Mays is Mays is in the team photo. So yeah, Mays is not only in the team photo; he's in the top five without a doubt. Yeah, is, great, great player. And Spawn, you know, you make a case that Spawn is the greatest left-handed pitcher who ever lived. Hey, three hundred eighty-three. He has he has more wins, more wins than any left-handed pitcher. I mean, what, what about Danny Jackson? Well, you know, Danny Jackson, <laughs> Danny Jackson did have a nuclear slider as was described by Bill James, but yeah, as, but, built, uh, as built in North Korea. 
<laughs> all right. All right. Let's end on a good note. That was a good one, man. All right. A good line like that should uh, end the show. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email us at you are in the wheelhouse at gmail.com. Have a great weekend, Tom. You too.